Our scripture reading is taken from Daniel chapter 7, verse 9 through 10. I watched until the thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was white as wool snow, and his hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, his wheels were burning fire. A, fr a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousand ministered unto him, ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him, and the courts was seated, and the books were opened. Let there be a blessing of this scripture. Morning, everybody. Happy Sabbath. Morning. Glad that you're here. Um, we're uh, continuing in our series on Revelation 14 this morning. And the title of the message is Our Greatest Need. And do you remember when we started this series what one of the major goals was for our individual, individually and for our church? A revival, very good. And from Christian Service, page 41 and 42, a revival of true godliness among us is the greatest and most urgent of all our needs. To seek this should be our first work. And so I want to just do a quick review. Um, there are Bibles there in the pews. If you don't have a Bible, we're going to be reading quite a bit of Scripture today. So I want to encourage you to open your Bibles. Um, I'm going to just read from Revelation 14, 6, and 7 right now. <clears throat> and I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach Unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation, and kindred, and tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God, and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come, and worship him that made heaven, and earth, and the sea, and the fountains of water. And so we've been systematically going through these verses, um, and we're going to continue on in this series right through uh, Revelation 14 in its entirety. And so previously we noticed that we are the intended messengers spoken of here. And that this message has to go to the whole world. Um, everyone needs to hear it. And you see the character of God. You see his love in that. He doesn't want to leave anyone out. And so it's every language, every nation, tongue, and people uh, need to hear this message. And we, we noticed... Um, and spoke about the everlasting gospel, because there are counterfeit gospels. And we saw that the gospel was the good news, the, the gospel of peace, as the Bible tells us. And then we discussed um, what it meant to give glory to God. And, you know, in 1 Corinthians 10.31, that tells us that whatever we do, we can bring glory to God or we could do the opposite of that. Whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. But we also looked at the glory of God being his character. And we saw that if we truly want to bring glory to God, our characters would mirror his. And as a result, if you have the divine character of God, your life will then demonstrate uh, the character of God in that you are bringing glory to God. It's, a, it's really a wonderful principle. And so today our focus will be uh, there in verse uh, 7 of chapter 14, 
The hour of his judgment is come. So let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you that we're privileged to have Bibles this morning, uh, and that we're free to study them, to open them. As we do that, Father, we ask that you would bless us, that you would guide us into all truth, that perhaps we would learn new things, that we would see uh, clearly your character of love, that we would be drawn closer to you. And Lord, not only would we learn, but as a result of what we learn, we would make changes, that we'd become more like you. Uh, We ask you, Lord, to do those things. Um, You have said that in Matthew 18, that where two or more are gathered in your name, you promise to be in our midst. We claim that promise. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So you may be wondering where the scripture reading fits in to the message today. If we're doing a systematic study of Revelation 14, we'll see that. We'll see um, how Daniel chapter 7 fits in. And so, if you recall, we did a series on the sanctuary, right? And we, we studied, uh, again, systematically um, God's way of dealing with sin in the sanctuary. And that will be helpful for us today. Uh, hopefully, we'll remember some of the things that we learned. So, you know, it says, the hour of his judgment is come. And that word judgment in the Greek, it's the act of judging. It is not the verdict or the sentence in the judgment phase. It's the act of judgment. It's the the first phase of judgment. We call it the pre-advent judgment because it has to take place before Jesus comes. Does that make sense? Pre-advent judgment. And it it is mentioned repeatedly in the prophetic book of Daniel. And there's a progression that we'll see Um, as we look at Daniel. So let's go to Daniel chapter 7. And I want to start reading in verse 2. And please take the time to open the Bible and go there. Daniel 7, because I'm going to read quite a few verses here. And I want you to, um, you know, the Bible says faith comes by healing and hearing, uh, comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so, you know, just reading along and listening that gives the Holy Spirit an opportunity to increase our faith. So Daniel 7 and verse 2, Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heaven strove upon the great sea. And four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked. And it was lifted up from the earth and made stand upon the feet as a man, and a man's heart was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second like to a bear. And it raised up itself on one side, and it had three ribs in its mouth of it, between the teeth of it. And they said thus to it, Arise, devour much flesh. After this I beheld, and lo, another like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl, The beast had also four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth. It devoured and brake in pieces, and stamped the residue with the feet of it, and it was diverse or different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom... 
there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of man and a mouth speaking great things. I beheld till the thrones were cast down and the ancient of days did sit whose garment was white as snow and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame and his wheels as burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousand thousands ministered unto him and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The judgment was set and the books were open. So in Dan- so Daniel, he has this dream in Daniel 7. And in his dream, he sees four great beasts. A lion with, with wings, a bear raised up on one side with three ribs in its mouth, a leopard that has four heads and four wings, and then fourth, a terrible beast with huge iron teeth, ten horns. And among the ten horns, Daniel sees a little horn rising up among the ten horns. And so the Bible tells us that, right here in Daniel, that a beast represents kingdoms and a horn represents kings. And you can see that in verses 23 and 24 of Daniel 7. And so these kings or kingdoms, they represented actual empires sequentially through history. Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, the divided kingdoms, uh, and this little horn power, the Antichrist power, and then we see the judgment. Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, divided kingdoms, little horn power, and a judgment. Over and over again, we see that. So there's this progression that takes place over and over again. Now, if you're in Daniel 7 still, let's look at verse 13. We're going to see it again. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Now, don't be fooled into thinking verse 13 is talking about the second coming. It's not. Jesus, this is talking about the judgment. It says that the Son of Man came with the clouds to the Ancient of Days, God the Father. And then verse 14 And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. Verse 14 more accurately shows the second coming. Because this judgment happens, when the judgment happens, Christ's kingdom is then numbered, And then verse 14 says, there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom. So the judgment has to happen first, this pre-advent judgment. Verse 21, same chapter. I beheld and the same horn made war with the saints. It's talking about the little horn. And prevailed against them until the ancient of days came and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High. And the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. So there you see it, judgment, little horn, judgment, and then the second coming. Verse 22, uh, 23, thus he said, the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth. So we let the Bible interpret itself, and we say, well, what is a beast? Well, we could all speculate, but the Bible says, the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth, which shall be diverse or different from all kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, and shall tread it down and break it in pieces. 
And the ten horns out of this kingdom are what? Ten kings that shall arise, and another shall arise after them. And he shall be diverse from the first and shall subdue three kings. That's speaking of the three horns that were plucked out by the roots. Three of the barbarian tribes were, were completely destroyed. And he shall speak great words, verse 25, against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws, and they shall be given into his hand until a time, times, and the dividing of time. Verse 26, but the judgment shall sit, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and to destroy it unto the end. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominion shall serve and obey him. So do you see it again? You see uh, the kingdom, and in this case it was talking about the papal power, the little horn power, then the judgment, then the second coming. And some really encouraging words, it says that, you know, uh, the kingdom is given to God's people, to the saints of the Most High. Judgment is made in favor of the saints. Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, the little horn power, then the judgment, then the second coming. Go to 2 Corinthians um, chapter 5, and you probably want to put a marker in Daniel, we're coming back. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we're going to read verse 10, or part of verse 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. So there's no way to escape the judgment. There is no one on this planet that will escape the pre-advent judgment. So it becomes uh, very obvious that the message is important. People need to know this. You need to know what's happening. Go to Acts uh, chapter 17. Acts 17 and verse 31. Actually, let's read verse 30 and 31 of Acts 17. How are we doing? Are we there? Acts 17, beginning in verse 30, And the times of this ignorance God winked at. But now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Because he hath appointed a day in which he will what? Judge the world in righteousness. By that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. So who is the man he's talking about here? Jesus, right. So he's appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by Jesus. And Jesus is the judge. Now, if you've ever been in a courtroom, and I know that some of us in this room have been, it's a little different. As a matter of fact, it's quite different than the heavenly judgment because although uh, Satan is our adversary, and, and as a result, he's adversarial, it's different. You know, he's the great accuser. And so in an earthly court, you do have uh, the one that is accusing the defendant. And then you have the defense attorney. 
and you have a judge or a jury. But in the heavenly judgment, it's different because the judge and the defense attorney are who? Are Jesus, right? It's totally different. As a matter of fact, judges recuse themselves often. I watched it happen for many years, you know, where the judge says, well, I'm sorry, I can't handle this case because I am his defense attorney. You know, it's because judges do that, some, at least where I'm from. They, they had their own practice and they also judged. So, um, but in, in the case of the judgment that's taking place now, where our names, our records are being looked at, Jesus is the judge and he's your attorney. He's your advocate. It's a beautiful thing. So it says there that God has appointed a day in which he will judge the world. And so the world needs to hear of this judgment because it's part of the everlasting gospel. And, and you know a counterfeit gospel if it does not include the judgment. Because it's very clear in Revelation 14, 7 that the judgment is part of the everlasting gospel that has to go to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. So we've heard it. Will it make a difference in your life? The fact that there is a judgment going on right now. And you know, um, oftentimes uh, people will say, or I should say occasionally people will say, I wonder when my name is going to come up in the judgment. Your name is up. Our names are up. It's not like there's a day and an hour where alphabetically God goes through a book and says, oh, Smith, all right, your name is up. Let's see what's going on today and that's it. No, our names are, we're being looked at right now. The decisions that we make are coming up. Are we cooperating with Jesus? Are we uh, trusting in him to be our advocate? So the judgment is ongoing. Does that make a difference in your life? Fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment is come. Present tense. Okay, then we go to Daniel chapter 8. So we were in Daniel 7. We're in Daniel 8 now. Please go there. I'm going to read beginning in verse 1. Daniel chapter 8 beginning in verse 1. In the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appeared unto me, even unto me, Daniel, after that which appeared unto me at the first. And I saw in a vision, this is two years after chapter 7, that's the, ver- the, the vision he just referred to. And I saw in a vision, verse 2, and it came to pass when I saw that I was at Shushan in the palace, which is in the province of Elam. And I saw in a vision, and I was by the river of Uli, that I lifted up mine eyes and saw, and behold, there stood before the river a ram which had two horns, and the two horns were high, but one was higher than the other, and the higher came up last. Now, I wish I had time to articulate all of the symbols here, but we just don't have time to do that. And so... Uh, and perhaps some other time we can, but, but let's keep going. Verse 4, And I saw a ram pushing westward and northward and southward, so that no beast might stand before him. Neither was there any that could deliver out of his hand, but he did according to his will and became great. And as I was considering, behold, an he-goat came from the west on the face of the whole earth and touched not the ground, and the goat had a notable horn between his eyes. 
And he came to the ram which had two horns, which I had seen standing before the river, and ran unto him in the fury of his power. And I saw him come close unto the ram, and he moved with choler, or with rage, against him, and smote the ram, and brake his two horns. And there was no power in the ram to stand before him, but he cast him down to the ground and stamped upon him, and there was none that could deliver the ram out of his hand. Therefore the he-goat waxed very great, and when he was strong, the great horn was broken, and for it came up four notable ones toward the four winds of heaven. And out of one of them came forth a little horn, which waxed exceeding great, toward the south and toward the east and toward the pleasant land. And it waxed great even to the host of heaven, and it cast down some of the host and the stars to the ground and stamped upon them. Yea, he magnified himself even to the prince of hosts, and by him the daily, the daily sacrifice, that word is added, the daily was taken away, and the place of his sanctuary was cast down. And an host was given him against the daily sacrifice by reason of transgression, and it cast down the truth to the ground, and it practiced and prospered. Then I heard one saint speaking, and another saint said unto that certain saint which spake, How long shall be the vision concerning the daily sacrifice and the transgression of desolation to give both the sanctuary and the host to be trodden underfoot? And he said unto me, Unto two thousand and three hundred days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. So let's back up in chapter 8. And so as you go through here, if you make a comparison with what we discover in in Chapter 7 of Daniel, you'll see that they line up, okay? And so in verse 3, you see the bear in chapter 7. And then in verse 4, this ram, it's the same as the bear with three ribs in its mouth, okay? And then it it goes on, then there's the leopard. What did the leopard represent in Daniel chapter 7? Greece, Alexander the Great, right? And so... All the Lord is doing is he is repeating and expanding. And so you're seeing, in this case, beasts, where in chapter 7, you saw animals. Oh, you're seeing animals here. Um, And in in chapter 7, they were beasts, but that in some cases were animals, right? So you have uh, goats and rams here, but they're representing the same thing. Babylon is not mentioned... um, in chapter 8, it starts with Medo-Persia. So you get Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, the little horn, then the judgment. It just keeps repeating itself. Okay? All right, so now that we've looked at chapter 8, and we've seen this transition, the similar transition, but now we notice 8.14 that says, again, unto 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. That's speaking about the antitypical day of atonement, this, this pre-advent judgment that's going on. <clears throat> we, are we on the same page? Are we, we good so far? All right, so Daniel has this vision that we just read. And at the end of chapter 8, the Bible says that Daniel faints. See, he has a partial understanding, understands some of it. Because we can just read it pretty easily and understand some of it because it's explained. But some of it he doesn't understand. So he's this partial understanding. And then Gabriel is called. 
And Gabriel is, he comes to help him understand the 2300 days. To finish explaining this thing to him. And so I want to put a slide up. Just bear with me here. Okay. Now, I know there's a lot of information on there. I don't know. Maybe we could kill those lights right there. Maybe those three um, help you to see this. I'm going to zoom in a little bit if I can here so that you can. So at the top of that, you see Daniel 8.14. Can you see that? Unto 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. And what is the principle of a, uh, in Bible prophecy when it comes to time? Okay, Ezekiel 4, verse 6, and Numbers 14, 34, right? And so you can see Ezekiel 4, verse 6, uh, lower right for you. I have appointed a day for a year. And so um, we're going we're gonna to cover this um, as we move forward a little bit here. A little organized here. So we're going to go to Daniel chapter 9 now. And I want to read verse 20, beginning in verse 20. So let me know when you're there. Daniel 9, 20. <clears throat> and whilst I was speaking and praying. So, so Daniel doesn't understand. He faints. Chapter 9, he's praying. It says, And whilst I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication or my prayer before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God, yes, whilst I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. And he informed me, and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee, what? Skill and understanding. Skill and understanding to understand the longest and last Bible prophecy, the 2300 day year prophecy. He has come to give him understanding. The beginning of my supplication, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved, Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. I'm at verse 24 now. I want to zoom in on this if I can here. It's not cooperating as well as I'd like. Okay. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. So the angel Gabriel starts by uh, giving the interpretation of the vision that Daniel had, okay? And he says, 70 weeks are determined for your people. Do you see it on the screen? 70 weeks. When does it start? 457 B.C. Very good. And what are the 70 weeks determined for? What did we just read? To finish transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, seal up vision and prophecy, and anoint the most holy. So they have a certain period of time. 
um, to do that. They have 70 weeks, 490 years to do that. All right, let's keep going. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and to build Jerusalem unto Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall, even in troublous times. So we need a starting point for this 2300 year prophecy, and we just got it. It was, it, it was given to us from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem is the starting point. Now, on the screen, I don't know if you can see it, Ezra chapter 6, verse 14, Ezra 7, 12 to 26. I want you to go to Ezra 7. Because I don't want to make statements and have you not at least have a chance to look at it and make sure that I'm telling you the truth. So go to Ezra 7, beginning in verse 12. How are we doing? Are we there? I still hear some pages turning. Ezra 7, verse 12 says, Artaxerxes, king of kings, unto Ezra the priest, a scribe of the law of the God of heaven, perfect peace, peace, and at such a time I make a what? A decree that all they of the people of Israel and of his priests and Levites in my realm, which are minded of their own free will to go up to Jerusalem, go with thee. And then he goes on, we're not going to read the whole letter. Um, goes on to, to give them basically permission to go. And if we, if we go further on in the chapter, let's go to verse 25. Same chapter, Ezra 7. And thou, Ezra, after the wisdom of thy God that is in thine hand, set magistrates and judges which may judge all the people that are beyond the river, all such as know the laws of thy God, and teach them that Know them not. And whosoever will not do the law of thy God and the law of the king, let judgment be executed speedily upon him, whether it be unto death or to banishment or to confiscation of goods or to imprisonment. So what we see happening in Ezra 7, this is how we know that this is the decree that starts this prophecy is because the city is rebuilt completely and a government is set in place. And that's the difference between any previous decree. So we can say with, with certainty, okay, this is the decree that Angel Gabriel is talking to Daniel about. And history tells us that that happened in 457 BC. So that's our starting point. That's our starting point. Okay, go back to Daniel 9. Okay, verse 26, we'll pick up there, Daniel 9, 26. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood. And unto the end of the war desolations are determined. And he 
shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. So after three score and two weeks, Messiah shall be, shall be cut off. So if you look at, your, look at the screen there, um, hopefully you can see seven weeks and then 62 weeks. Jesus is anointed right on time. The anointing of Messiah the Prince. His baptism, A.D. 27. And then there's another week that this prophecy talks about. He shall confirm the covenant for many with one week. And in the midst of the week, that's verse 27, by the way. In the midst of the week, he shall cause sacrifice and the oblation to cease. So if you look on the screen, you see one week, three and a half years. A.D. 31, what happened to Jesus? He was crucified. And in doing that, what happened to the sacrificial system? It's gone. Why? He was the sacrifice. It was a shadow of things to come. So Jesus was the antitypical fulfillment of the old sanctuary service. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. How great a God is our God. So in ancient Israel, it was pointing forward to this event. And then this event took place right on time. Because Jesus didn't die for himself, verse 26, but he died for the people of the prince. And the veil was rent in two from top to bottom. That should have told the Jewish leaders what was going on, but they were blinded by greed and pride. So if you look at the screen... Um, some interesting things happened. If you remember in verse 24 of Daniel 24, it said that 70 weeks were determined for God's people. That ends in AD 34. In AD 34, Stephen became the first Christian martyr. He was stoned to death. Jewish probation closed at that time. It doesn't mean that Jewish people can't be saved. But it was the fulfillment of this prophecy. The gospel then went to the world, to the Gentiles. And so from A.D. 34, we have 1,810 years left, which brings us to A.D. 1844. And what happened in October, October 22nd, more specifically, of 1844? What was the event? What took place? Jesus moved from the holy place into the most holy place. Of the sanctuary. Now, if you go to Revelation chapter 10, I invite you to do that. Revelation 10. Revelation 10 actually talks about this. You may know this. I hope you know this. Um, But you may not, and that's okay. Daniel 10, it will begin in verse 8. And the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me again and said, Go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel, which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. So remember, Revelation is symbolic. 
And we let the Bible interpret itself. And so the sea represents multitudes of people. And the earth represents sparsely populated places. So here you have an angel messenger whose feet are both on the populated portions of the world and on the unpopulated portions of the world. And he has a little book in his hand. And verse 9 says this, And I went unto the angel, this is John the Revelator talking, says, I went unto the angel and said unto him, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take it and eat it, and it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and I ate it up. And it was in my mouth sweet as honey. And as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. So let's work backwards. Verse 11 is our call to proclaim the three angels' messages. That's what that's saying. Because there is no one alive today that experienced the great disappointment that 8, 9, and 10 spoke of. See, verses 9 and 10, the angel is saying, there's going to be a great disappointment. You're going to study the prophecies of that little book of Daniel, and you're going to be revived. And there's going to be a great awakening. You're going to get the dates right, eventually, but you're going to get the event wrong, and that's going to be bitter in your belly. It's going to be sweet as honey as you start to study this, as you listen to these presentations and you look at the charts and and people like William Miller explain these things. Your heart's going to be warmed and, and it's going to be wonderful, but there's going to be a bitter disappointment. And there was because they had the event wrong. And then the Bible says, you must prophesy again. And that that duty falls on us. Because we now know what the event is that took place. Jesus didn't come to the earth and cleanse it by fire. He went from the holy place to the most holy place to cleanse us. To change our characters. To blot out sin. That's what he did. And does that apply to us uh, as individuals? Is it important to us as individuals? And then, uh, like Like little Noah's, because I think Noah was a gigantic person in stature. Like little Noah's, do we have a duty now to share a relevant end-time message? We absolutely do. We absolutely do. So we have to understand this. I encourage you to read uh, Daniel 7, 8, and 9. Spend some time there. Um, Ask questions. If you have questions, you certainly can ask me. Um, And... And, you know, pull up a chart like this. This is easy. I paid for this. this. It was not free. But you can pull this up and look at it for free on your computer. Just type in 2300-day chart. You'll get a whole bunch of them. Scroll down. You'll find this one. It's really good. Um, and, and you can look at the dates, and you can look at history, and you can look at your Bible, and you can get to understand this a little bit better. Um, and it really will be a blessing. You know, when Michelle and I were becoming Adventists, we were studying the Bible, the book of Daniel solidified our faith. It really did. And these things are powerful, and we need to be able to share them with people because people are not just going to take your word for the fact that there's a judgment going on. They're going to say, really, show me. 
And, and, and their pastors are going to say, don't listen to them. They don't know what they're talking about. And so we need to be able to show them from Scripture. And Daniel 7, 8, and 9 is riddled with, with this judgment. And it's important. So let's pray together. If you can, kneel. If you're not able to kneel, just bow your heads. <clears throat> Father God, we're thankful that you love us so much that you have revealed these very important topics to us. We see uh, amazing things in prophecy, and, and it, um, it really does help us to trust your word completely. It's not a buffet table. It is something that we uh, don't pick and choose what we like. We know that your word is truth. We can trust your word because of the prophecies that we've seen. And Lord, as we look at as as we have looked and will look at these prophecies in Daniel and in Revelation and in other books of Scripture, um, we see, Lord, that you want us to know what's happening. You want to educate us. You want us to respond appropriately to an understanding that you are examining the decisions that each of us make. And the world needs to know this. And so, Lord, this revival and reformation that needs to be our very first work. It begins with us, and this judgment helps us to recognize the ser- the seriousness of uh, this whole issue. And so, Lord, help us to first be right with you, and then as a church, we can uh, take that revival to the world, and we can share these truths. We ask, Lord, that you would uh, bless each person here individually in their studies that you would help each person to uh, carve out important time to study your word and to to draw close to you every day. Bless each family represented here today. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.